reading this morning out of actually two different places we'll be using for a text. It's actually kind of a parallel passage. But the first one will be in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse number 29. And then just over a little ways in the book of Colossians chapter 3 and starting in verse 13. So those pretty close together and we're going to be using those passages kind of as our text this morning. We talk about the subject of forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And over in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for your forgiveness. Dear Lord, what a wonderful thought this morning that you have forgiven us of our sins. Lord, I just pray that you would reveal the truth. Reveal your word to us today. What we need and what we need to do. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Actually, I said we're going to be talking about forgiveness. We will also be talking about unforgiveness. Forgiveness and unforgiveness. But when thinking about that, you see, first of all, that something that's in common with the two texts that we read. That when it talks about us forgiving others, the phrase is used, even as. Even as Christ has forgiven us. Even as Christ has forgiven us, we should forgive one another. And you know that when you think about that, how has Christ forgiven us? Does he continue to bring it up? Does he hold a grudge against us? Does he continue to let it uh, cause anger? No. When he forgives, he forgives. And I know, of course, when you're talking about that, you're talking about a, a divine attribute. You're talking about something that God can do, and that's difficult for us. But nevertheless, keep in mind that thought that the text say, even as Christ has forgiven us. And there's also, I want you to notice some words that are associated with both thoughts. First of all, the words that are associated with forgiveness. You look in Colossians, if you would, in our text there. 
the words associated with forgiveness. Of course, mercy, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering. And it also uses the word forbearing. And then you'll notice in the book of Ephesians, back in that text, you'll notice some words associated with unforgiveness. And of course, that would be corrupt communication. And, uh, and then you look on down there, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. Those are not good things, but those are things that are associated with unforgiveness. It is terrible. It, it is, you know, if you think about uh, unforgiveness, not only, uh, we're going to look at it in two ways, but not only unforgiveness for a person means that you will be separated from God for eternity. But there's also another unforgiveness, and that is as a Christian. So when we're going to talk about the subject this morning, we're going to kind of deal with it in both lights. But keep in mind, when thinking about forgiveness, you have to think about how that as a sinner, we have been forgiven. It's a one-time thing. I mean, whenever you're lost and the truth has been revealed to you and you come to Christ and ask him to save you, you don't go through and have to give a list of every sin you've ever committed. Because there's a lot of us that they would have maybe still been confessing sins. Amen. There would have been a lot of them. But nevertheless, you don't go through and name. When you come to Christ, you come with a need to be forgiven of all sin. John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Your sin and my sin was nailed to the cross of Calvary with Jesus. That has been blotted out. And when you come to Christ... As the Bible says, it's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. But Christ died once and for all. Eternal forgiveness. Redemption through the blood of Christ. According to his riches and grace. When you think about that according to his riches and grace, you have to say, well, it does not matter. How many sins I've committed. If you're comparing that to the riches of God's grace. God's grace will outweigh the burden of your sin. His grace is sufficient to pay for the sins of the whole world. You ever thought about that? Just think if you could count. And I know numbers are. I mean they just go on and on. You could infinity if you will. There's no stop to a number. I mean, think about the trillions and go on and just keep adding zeros. Keep adding zeros till you don't ever run out of room. Well, think about all the sins that have ever been committed since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Of course, sin was first found, you know, with Satan. I know that. But I'm talking about the sins of mankind, Adam and Eve in the garden, and on and on and on till present day that we're living today. Could you imagine how many sins there would be? The number of them. 
It would be a great number. I, would, I wouldn't even try to make an attempt to stab at it. But I want to tell you, no matter how great the number of all sin, all mankind in the world today, the blood of Jesus and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ can cover every one of those sins and every one that will be committed until the day that the redemption is full. So when you talk about forgiveness, we have to look at it as there's a forgiveness for the sinner. And it's a one-time thing. And then there's a forgiveness for Christians. And you, when you think about the forgiveness for Christians, it has to do with fellowship. Now I know Brother Bonnie, he sings a song, you probably heard him say it. The sweetest words I ever heard was I forgive. Those are some sweet words. I tell you what, when you begin to think about the forgiveness of God, not only when we come to Christ and ask him to save us, he forgives us from all sin, and that is all, by the way. All is all, and that's all it means. I mean, it's all of it. But as a Christian walking with the Lord to have communion and fellowship with him, we need forgiveness. We have to confess our sins to have uh, that direct fellowship with God. So we have to ask forgiveness. That's kind of my last thought of the message. That's actually the third point. But I just want to make that clear. And I know you understand that. So the first thing when thinking about forgiveness. And this is probably the most important thing. Is that forgiveness frees us. Forgiveness frees us. Jesus said in John, the Gospel of John, in chapter 8, first of all, in John chapter 8 and verse number 32, Jesus said, uh, uh, For you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then just a little later on, four verses, I believe, after that, said, He that the Son has made free is free indeed. Forgiveness frees us. But I want you to keep in mind, that before Jesus made those statements, what did he say? He said, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth. That's the problem with forgiveness. Many don't understand the need of it. Many don't understand the necessity and all the things that's required of it. You see, not only for us as Christians, we need to be forgiven of our sins against God, whether it be a sin of omission or commission against God to have fellowship, but we also need to forgive others. We need to know the truth about forgiveness today. And I want to tell you, when we understand the greatness of forgiveness and how that it can set us free, how that it can make us free, there will be a weight lifted off of our shoulders. Burden. Why would you want to carry around sin? You don't want to. I've heard it for sure many people say that when they come to know Christ as their Savior, it's like a huge weight was lifted off of them. But you know something, as Christians, we can also carry around weights that we don't need to and we don't have to. 
God's forgiveness has no limits. I believe that just as when you talk about the love of God, how that it is unmeasurable, it, there's not, it's limitless, then I believe forgiveness is the same way. Because I believe that forgiveness and love go hand in hand. Listen, the only way that you will not be forgiven is that as a lost person, you reject God's forgiveness. That's the only way. It's been, your forgiveness has been paid for on the cross. We've already made that clear. But if you reject God's forgiveness, that will not be forgiven. You can look in Matthew chapter 12, and I know it don't say that exactly word for word, but again, we need to continue in the word of God and then we'll know the truth. Well, here it is in Matthew chapter 12. And look what he says there in verse number 31. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto him, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. Whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now, I know there's different opinions of what exactly that means, but I'll tell you, the only unforgivable sin is that a person rejects God's forgiveness. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit came to reprove the world of sin. And when he reproves you of sin and he convicts you and, and wants to bring you to Christ, if you reject him, that's blasphemy. You're rejecting what God has done for you. And that is unforgivable to a lost person. But when think about it on the other side, as a Christian, do you know the only way we will not be forgiven? There's two things. First of all, if we don't ask. You have to ask. You have to confess to be forgiven. And another thing is, we are also told that we are to forgive as well. Even as the Father hath forgiven you, so do you. So should you. It's a commandment. That's what he tells us in his word. We should forgive others. Jesus asked forgiveness for those who crucified him. You can turn to Luke chapter 23 and verse number 34 if you want to. But basically you know the scene. And this is one of the seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. And he looked out on the crowd that day. And you know who he's mostly looking out upon. But he looked out upon them. And he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. That's what Jesus said. He forgave those that put him on. I know that they didn't force him to go. This is God willingly dying for us. And he had to do it, of course, so that we could have forgiveness. But nevertheless, he said, God, forgive them. He prayed that God would forgive them. Now I want you to think about something. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 53, I know you know the text or familiar with it. 
But the last verse of Isaiah 53, actually the last statement of that, uh, ver that chapter says, He made intercession for the transgressors. But you can back up. Who are the transgressors? All those that have sinned against Him. When you look at Isaiah 53, have you ever noticed how many times or when you look and you see He and then you look at we, he and we. Look in verse 3. He is despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid our faces. He is despised and we esteemed him not. He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And in all that in light. It says in verse 6. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And in of course he laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he looked across the, if you will, down that hill and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, I, I don't know for sure, but I want to remind you that God could at that very moment could have struck everybody dead. And even so, they deserved it. They were guilty. Of the blood of the Son of God. As a matter of fact, whenever they could have said, give us, you know, they said, give us Barabbas, turn him loose, and, and crucify Jesus. And you remember the statement was made, his blood be upon you. And they said, let it, let his blood be upon us and let it be upon our children. Crucify Jesus. But he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I believe when Jesus prayed that, that you know what happened? First of all, it was almost 40 years before Jerusalem was destroyed. So I believe it gave them more time. Why did they need more time? What well, Jesus said himself when he was talking to the Pharisees. You can look in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, and of course... Chapter 23 is all the woes to the Pharisees, the hypocrites, all the things that he says there. But in verse 34, wherefore I send unto you prophets. But what are you going to do? You're going to, of course, put them in prison. You're going to kill them. Can you imagine that? Jesus was saying to the ones that said that that. To it all about those religious leaders. They were the ones that wanted him crucified. Wanted to do away with him. And Jesus said to them. Listen. I'm going to pray that God will forgive you. And not only that. I'm going to send people to tell you the gospel. So that you can be saved. And I want to tell you. Not every one of those got saved. I know. But if one of them was saved. That was enough. Because heaven rejoices over one soul. That was repentant. 
And I want to tell you, we can get the attitude today that we look upon people and say they deserve to be killed. They deserve to die. But I want to remind you, Jesus on the cross looked upon the people that were guilty. Not only did he pray for them, but he preached the gospel to them that they might be saved. And he was long-suffering about it. And he extended their time. And I want to remind you, the text says, so as Christ has forgiven you, you forgive others. So if Christ would pray for those, we should pray for them. If Christ would want to share the gospel with them, we should share the gospel with them. After all, according to Acts 3.17, they did it in ignorance. Jesus said, they know not what they do. You shall know the truth. And I believe that most of you here today, if not all of you, know the truth. We may not know everything in the Bible, but we know enough. We know the truth. The truth has made us free. We realize that people do things because they're blinded of the devil. We know because things are said, they don't even know what they're saying because they don't understand. We cannot blame uh, things that's going on. I know we want to always find blame. We've got to blame it on somebody. But it's because of blindness. It's because of sin. Forgiveness. Sweet, sweet words. Amen. I want us to think for just a minute about unforgiveness. Or in other words, why we should forgive. First of all, we should forgive because we have been forgiven. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. I know we're just kind of hovering right around here, but right. in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 14. You know the text. We'll go back. He's talking to the disciples. He's uh, teaching them to pray. How they should pray. Well, look in verse 14. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We should forgive because we have been forgiven. It's as simple as that. Mark goes on and says, when you stand praying, if you have aught against someone, forgive them. Where your Father, which is in heaven, will forgive you. I mean, how can we stand before God to the one that has forgiven us all of our debt and we're holding something, someone else accountable? We're holding things and grudges and we come before God. He said we ought to forgive them. We should forgive others because we have been forgiven. Notice that Jesus said as he was teaching the disciples. And we know that Jesus had not sinned so he didn't need to ask forgiveness at this time. But he was telling the disciples in verse number 12 of Matthew 6. Forgive us our debts as... We forgive our debtors. 
Oh, in other words, this is a continuation of our debts, of our sins. Jesus knew that once we were saved, that would not be the end to our sinning. We would still need to be forgiven of our debts, and we need to forgive our debts as we forgive others. So it's a continuing thing. You say, well, I'm not guilty of any debt. Well, I think there's a couple we may be guilty of. The debt of duty. In other words, have we done what we should have done? Have we done this week what it is our duty to do in this world? Or have we done basically what just what we want to do? We have been called to duty. And I know it's a video game. I dare play some of y'all know what it is. But I'm not talking about the video game. I'm talking about a God that's called and commissioned us. We are in the army. We've been called to duty by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not talking about Uncle Sam. I'm talking about the Father that's in heaven. And if you're called by the grace of God, you're called to duty. It's your responsibility. We are guilty of the debt of duty. You say, well, I, I paid my debt this week. I've come to church. No. You remember we looked at just a while back in Ecclesiastes. when, And this is in the Old Testament, keep in mind. But Solomon said, what is the whole duty of men? He said, fear God and keep his commandments. Have we feared God this week? Have we reverenced him? Have we considered God? Have we prayed? Have we thanked him? Have we walked with him? Have we sought his will in our life? In other words, have we feared God this week? Have we kept his commandments? I'm not just talking about ten of them. There's a lot more than ten. And you know one of them is forgiven. Others as we've been forgiven. Fear God and keep his commandments. We are guilty of the debt of duty. In other words, we're guilty because we have not done what we should. We also could be guilty of the debt of disobedience. In other words, just like the text said, we read the text there in Ephesians. It mentioned, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And Wednesday night, we talked about, last Wednesday night, we talked about that. If we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, what are we doing? We're, we did something that we shouldn't have done. So we could be guilty of the debt of disobedience or we could be guilty of the debt of duty not only are we guilty of debts in our life but we should forgive others because it's commanded Jesus told Peter over in uh, Matthew chapter 18 he was talking to Peter about forgiveness and Peter said in, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall uh, my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Peter thought he was doing pretty good. From my understanding, the rabbis taught that if you forgive three times, you're good. Two is probably qualifies you, but boy, if you forgive three times, you're a spiritual person. 
Peter said, you owe me to forgive seven times. Man, that was really spiritual. And Jesus said, I say not to thee until seven times, but 70 times seven. How about that number? 490 times. I'd say that's unlimited forgiveness, wouldn't you? You see, how about if Jesus keeps account on us? What if when you were saved, Jesus said, all right, I'm going to give you ten more sins. If you sin ten times against me, I'm going to do away with your salvation. Folks, we'd all be in severe trouble. He don't put a number on it. How often should we forgive? Seven times? Shall we forgive? No. Seven times 70. In other words, just keep on forgiving. Just like God does. Over and over and over again. We should forgive others because we have been commanded to forgive. Folks, we could never, or no one has ever wronged us as much as we have wronged God. You say, well, boy, they, they just keep on and keep on. We do too. We have too. How long ago was you saved? How long ago since you've sinned? We just keep on and keep on. We can never wrong, or we have, or say someone could never wrong us as much as we've wronged God. You need to forgive them seven times seventy. Not only forgive because it's been commanded, but how about forgive because unforgiveness is hazardous to our spiritual health. You want me to tell you why unforgiveness is hazardous? To a Christian's health is because first of all we will not be in fellowship with God. Our prayers will not be. We go to God praying for forgiveness and we have unforgiveness in our heart. He said I'm not going to do it. That's what Jesus said. Now I'm not making that up. We've already read it three or four times in different places. He said unless you will not be forgiven. So it's in there. It's, it can be hazardous to our fellowship. It can be hazardous to our spiritual health. Listen. We talked about just the other night. Last Wednesday night as a matter of fact. When talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And how that he wants us to have that abundant life that Jesus promised. We won't be able to live an abundant life. A joyful life. If there's unforgiveness in our heart. Unforgiveness is hazardous to a Christian's health. You can read in that text in Matthew chapter 18. When Jesus said to forgive those. He, gave, he began to speak a parable about the kingdom of heaven and how it's like. He told of a certain king. Which when he took account of his servants there in verse 24. One was brought unto him that owed 10,000 talents. From my understanding, this is millions of dollars, according in comparison to our day, a lot of money. And he couldn't pay it. So he commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, all that he had. And of course, they could have sold whatever he had. They could have sold his family. They could have sold it all and not even come close to paying a debt. And the servant fell down and said, Lord, have patience with me. There's a word. 
That word, remember, was one of those words associated with forgiveness. Forbearing. Long-suffering. Lord, have patience with me, please. I will pay thee all. And the Lord, that servant, he was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But this same servant went out, it says in verse 28. He found one of his fellow servants. He owed him a hundred pence. You know how much money that is, from my understanding, less than $20. And the Bible says in verse 28, he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou oldest. Well, this servant fell down before him and did the same thing. He asked to have patience with me. But what did he do? Instead, he went and cast him into prison. Folks, that's a quite an illustration, isn't it? You know who we are in this picture? We're the one that owed millions of dollars. That no matter what we could bring before the Lord, it would never pay the debt that we owe. I want to tell you that song this morning, Brother Ron, that the choir sang. Folks, that stirred my heart. When I began to think of the sins that my God has forgiven me of, He don't bring them back up to me, He don't hold them over my head. He's cast them as far as the east is from the west. He's put them in the deepest depths of the sea. And yet you and I walk around. And because somebody has said some little something to us that's gotten under our skin. Or somebody owes us a little bit of money. Or somebody don't do things exactly like we do. Well we're not going to forgive that person. That don't make sense. That's not right. That's sin. And Jesus said it will be hazardous. He gave an illustration. He said that's re- they took him to prison. You know the Bible says about Job. It said when Job prayed for his friends, he was freed from his captivity. And he basically got two times more than what he had before. You say, well, he, all he did was pray for his friends. Isn't that part of forgiveness? Pray for one another. Pray God forgive them. That's what Jesus did, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We should forgive. I think one of the hindrances of revival is unforgiveness. I'm not saying it's not the only one, but it's, it's one of them. We'll never experience the fullness of God, the power of God, and what he can do if we're unwilling to forgive ourselves. We owe a debt that we cannot pay. He paid it for us with his precious blood. We also need to forgive others. If we expect to have any kind of prayer life at all. Folks, prayer can make a difference. 
But we need to be right with God when we pray. This is my last thought, and this is a closing thought. And that is the need for forgiveness. As a lost person, you have a need for forgiveness whether you admit it or not. The Bible says all have sinned that come short of the glory of God. You have trespassed against God's law. In 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I pray today that the word of God would pierce that heart of yours, and you would understand that you're a sinner. But you would also understand that you can be forgiven of your sin today. All people that are lost have a need to be saved. They have a need to be forgiven. It's not something that comes naturally. It's not something that your mom and dad can supply. It's something that only Jesus has supplied on the cross. You have to come to him. The truth of the matter is you can be forgiven today if you come to Christ who has redeemed us by his blood. Well, the need of forgiveness for us Christians. We also have a need of forgiveness. Or why else would it say here as John would go on in chapter 2, my little children, these things write unto you that if you sin, that you sin not, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's waiting for us to confess our sins. He pleads our cause. He, he will receive and hear from heaven. We just have to ask him. We need forgiveness because we need to have fellowship with God. Verse 7 talks about walking in the light. Having fellowship as the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. But you know something else we need forgiveness for? Not only so we can have fellowship with him, but for so we can have fellowship with each other. You look in the book of 1 John, that's really a topic that he takes up. Having fellowship with God and having fellowship with each other. It starts through forgiveness. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. According, I'm glad it didn't say according to the way we forgive. I'll tell you what, we'd be in bad shape. No, but according to his riches in glory. i tell you what, there's two types of captives today. People that are in prison. First of all, as a lost prison, you are, you are in bondage to your sin, but you can be made free. As a saved person, we can also be in bondage to unforgiveness, missing out on what we could be enjoying. The good news is he is faithful.